0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Visit a farm. Log on to Escapemaker.com for more ideas on local weekend getaways and day trips to orchards, farms, wineries, breweries, and more. Get out of the city and explore while also supporting your local farmers. Log on to Escapemaker.com now to get inspired and make your escape through the net. Hi, this is Katie Kiefer from What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: All right, thank you so much for tuning in to the Heritage Radio Network. We are coming to you as always from the back of Roberta's Pizza here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You of course are listening to the Farm Report. I am your host, Erin Fairbanks and At the top of the show, because I know you're here, you've walked away from that stop button, that fast forward button, and I've got you for a second. I have to send out a quick appeal um, on behalf of the Heritage Radio Network. We are um, in the middle of our end of year funding drive, and I am super hopeful that Farm Report listeners like you will consider being part of the drive this year. Really, a gift of any amount helps. It helps keep our lights on. It helps make sure that we are able to bring you free, amazing radio programming every week, uh, 34 shows a week. We are 100% kind of listener-supported, and we have some great gifts this year, too. So if you're in need of a new set of pot holders or uh, want a swanky new T-shirt to show your HRN pride, check us out. We're at www.heritageradionetwork.org backslash donate Uh, whatever you can give would be appreciated you can click uh, the farm report from the scroll down menu and I would love to hear from you and to know that you donated on behalf of the show so um, thank you thanks for not pressing the fast forward button you're awesome we are going to be chatting today about organic feed supply and some kind of new folks in the industry looking to serve a new kind of class of farmers we are on the line with Jim Campbell of New Country Organics. Jim, welcome to the show.
3: Well, good morning. Thank you for having me on.
2: Ah, so you do not sound... I know that that your New Country Organics is based out in uh, Waynesboro, Virginia, but you do not sound like a Virginian, my friend.
3: <laughs> no, well, that would be right, And Yes, we're based in Virginia, and I'm actually calling in from our new plant in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, but I'm from neither place. I'm from Scotland originally.
2: So, uh, you do have kind of an unconventional background for uh, an organic feed supplier. Why don't you give us the broad strokes about how you came to be at the helm of New Country Organics?
3: Sure. Well, my, uh, my personal background uh, was in financial services, and um, I've spent uh, many years uh, working for various companies, uh, both here and, uh, and abroad. and um, Really what happened was that something that became a a passion and a hobby uh, went on from there to become uh, a very real interest. And a few years ago, myself and and two partners um, bought uh, nearly New Country Organics in Virginia, and we've really taken that to the the next stage. And um, as part of of that, I gave up my my career and joined the company two years ago to to try and uh, make the company as good as it could be.
2: I think there's like something wild to me about like, you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to throw it all away and I'm going to jump into organic feed supply. I'm like, I, you just have to help me like understand like where your passion for organic seed arose. Like, how did you get interested in this topic? How did you build expertise? What was the kind of like passion inducing moment where you're like, yes, this is the thing that I want to spend the next chunk of my life working on.
3: Sure, I, but what happened was actually in Virginia. Uh, we have a, a small a small farm, and um, on the farm we've had uh, horses. And um, what happened was we thought, "Gosh, you know, we should really do our own hay." So we began to do that, and I was working full time at this, this time. But we uh, we started doing that, and we got a few chickens, and I really became fascinated actually with poultry and uh, the concept of pasture poultry. And uh, and so we um really used the chickens, you know, in the fields to come after the horses. Um, you know, nature doesn't really farm without animals if you think about it. And so we created uh Mobile chicken houses and had a few hundred birds at one point and um uh really we kind of uh fostered that part of the farm. And um uh having done that, it really gripped me as something which I think was so important for us as a society to think about how we grow our food and, and so forth. And um, my, a good friend of mine actually ended up being one of my partners uh, when we uh, got into U Country Organics. Uh, he was running the largest organic farm in Virginia at the time. And uh, and so we ended up really trying to turn this into something quite quite big and make this great organic feed accessible to as many people as possible.
2: So, can you tell us a little bit about, like, what are the types of customers that you serve? Who's kind of calling uh, calling you up or visiting the website? What are what what type of, are they, like, large-scale producers? Are they, are they backyard farmers? Are they something in between? Like, who are the people that you're kind of seeing as, like, your target market?
3: Yeah, really, it goes all the way from uh, small artisanal farms, maybe doing farm-to-table uh, organic uh, certification, but that kind of thing, all the way down to the backyard people and homesteaders. And I think the the unifying thing for all all of our customers is the the interest and passion for organic. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, especially with the smaller people, um, there, I think uh, it's almost like people are trying to take control of their own personal food chains. Right. And so m- many of our customers, you know, perhaps personally or in their family. They've had a health scare, uh, maybe severe allergies. And what you find is that they've got uh, some chickens, maybe some goats or something like that. And you care greatly what these animals eat because they're living off the dairy or the eggs or, or, or whatever. And um, and I, I think that there's you know, just growing distrust with, with big food, if I can put it like
2: that. Yeah, wanting to bring it like back in-house so the so new country organics you guys are acting as like a grain distributor and retailer or are you are there pieces of your operation that are you're also kind of growing like what's the relationship between the the sourcing of the product and the selling and distributing of the product like where where are you kind of in that space
3: well, we buy uh, certified organic grains um, from the U.S. and mm-hmm. from Canada, and in fact, only so we, we don't buy any uh, foreign grains. And generally, our preference is to buy as locally as possible to, to us, um, and we believe that has a benefit, beneficial impact as well. Uh, we take the grains, we create the feed. You know, we we uh, mill the grains in certain ways. We we add yeast, vitamins, kelp from Iceland, uh, probiotics, and then we. Uh, market the feed really directly to consumers but also to to dealers and um right now we have about 200 uh dealers up and down the uh, the east coast of the u.s and uh, we also export so but people can go online and order direct from us or through a local reseller if one of these dealers might be nearby
2: that makes sense so i think too when people think about feeding uh like different grain and grain mixes to animals there's this idea that you're like oh well you just like have the grain or you have the seeds and like that's what it is but it's interesting when you're looking at kind of nutrition for poultry or for livestock um it's very quickly becomes a kind of a quite complex um business where folks are looking at carbohydrate ratios fat ratios kind of different like uh trace and micronutrients and do you so how did you guys come up with like it, it to me I feel like a nice way to think about it is like you're putting together like a lovely like bowl of cereal for you know where you're like okay it's got to be like tasty it's got to be like texturally appealing for the animal visually appealing for the animal but it also has to meet some kind of um, really specific uh, nutritional requirements and how do you determine kind of that, yeah, seek help is a thing you want to use. Like, where do you get that information? What, how do you, like, stay up on, like, the latest trends in, in kind of these types of, um, you know, cereals?
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, we really, we, I would say between the, um, the three of us and the rest of the team, we've got um, a good understanding of what's available out there, what's worked practically for us in the past. And so, we, you know, we put together the various blends and, um, you know, make sure that we produce a complete feed for every animal. And, of course, as you were saying, it has to be uh, guaranteed and, and tested and, and this kind of thing. So we do all of that to make sure that the animals get the appropriate uh, nutrition. And um, But really, I mean, the um, I think he also says, I mean, really important there, and too, he talked about something which is visually appealing because when people think of, of feed for animals, livestock, pets, uh, you, you tend to think of kind of gray, lifeless pellets, you know, yeah. and um, we, we don't do that. We don't, don't actually pelletize. Our customers like to see what's inside the feed, and so you can see the real grains and so forth. Um, with a pellet, you know, you've often got fillers and middlings and all sorts of things in there to, to, to bulk out the feed. And so in our case, we approach it with a very different uh, way. It, it's not least cost-formulated. It is a very healthful product uh, for the animals, and and generally they really enjoy it.
2: So, one of the charts that I thought was super interesting, and, and folks, if you're out there listening, you can find uh, about um, more about New Country Organic. It's just NewCountryOrganics.com. Lots of great information on the site. You can order directly from the site if you've been like looking for that. Right kind of resource for your budding uh, backyard chicken flock um, or just kind of some basic information on how to get started and what to think about. But you you guys had a chart on there doing a comparative, um, a, a comparison of GMO versus organic versus uh uh, there was like one other tier and you kind of, had you know, it's like one of those things where you're like, does it have this check? Yes or no. Does it have this check, check, check. And some of the things on there I was not familiar with. And I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about them. So one of the, one of the checkpoints was that the, the, the grains were free of human sewage or sludge. And I was like, that's a thing I need to worry about.
3: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that, that is a thing you, you probably shouldn't uh, be concerned about. Um, uh, in conventional farming, that that practice is permitted. And um, it's actually, for conventional farmers, it's a very inexpensive way of fertilizing their, their fields. Um, now, when you see a product that says non-GMO, what that means is that the seed has not been genetically modified But all the other aspects of conventional farming can still apply to that product. And so it is true that that product could have had that that application. Uh, So we really believe in the organic standard um, and, um, and, and everything that comes with that. So, you know, in the organic standard, you can't have the chemical and synthetic pesticides and herbicides, fertilizers and the GMOs, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, various things. But I I think as well what's really important there is the organic farmer is supposed to take care of the soil, nurture the soil, and enrich the soil. And um, more and more I think we're discovering that with conventional farming, the soil is being depleted. The topsoil is physically being depleted, and the richness of the soil is less than it was. And uh, we're relying more and more on the chemicals to, to grow the food.
2: Well, I think it's too, it's like when you're eating like a lovely chicken dinner, you're not often thinking about that having a direct impact on soil health in some other part of the country. Um, I wanted to ask you about a couple of other things on that checklist just because I realized, you know, there was a, you know, you're talking about chemical or synthetic uh, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. Wh- what is the difference between a chem- like a chemical and a synthetic if you yeah, know. I, I mean, mean that's my I mean I'm just g i am just I was like I'm like actually I don't really know what that means.
3: Yeah, so I, I think here we're talking about uh, whether it's artificially formulated mm-hmm. um and um you know what, or whether whether it, perhaps it's uh, a chemical which uh maybe um naturally applied- occurring. Yeah, uh, so, uh, but you know, we could. uh, off the top of my head, I can't go into more detail than that and those kinds of things. But we could absolutely um, have another conversation about that in terms of the organic standard and the detail of it behind it. Yeah,
2: no, I just, I mean, that's kind of what I assumed that it's like a chemical, it's a chemical and a synthetic. But I, I guess I was, I'm like, I wonder what that actually like looks like in in practice. Um, So yeah, definitely, probably, I think a conversation for another time. Well, the last kind of like thing I'm going to grill you on here is uh, radiation treatment. So I'm wondering, why is that happening to feed? What does it do? And and then, you know, why do you not need to do it for the, the, the feed and the feed mixes that you're producing?
3: Yeah, so with this, uh, you're really talking about um, preserving and uh, killing, you know, microbes and, and this kind of thing. And uh, so it's a way of preserving the longevity of okay. the um, of, of the food conventionally, and with organic, you you really cannot do that. So that you know, one of the reasons organic products don't don't last as long as say conventional products. You know, if you buy a conventional loaf, it can sit in your your fridge for a long time. Uh, organic foods are natural foods; these are real foods, and so they will tend to go off a lot a lot faster.
2: So I think like. To me I feel like it would be helpful to think of like radiation treatment kind of like like similar to like pasteurizing something so you're kind of like put- put it's undergoing some type of a treatment that's gonna kill off um certain things but it it's like kind of a blunt instrument in that it it kills things that could be potentially like harmful degrading but also kills kind of like the good the good stuff um so it's like not a very like uh, precise tool with regards to preserving the best parts of the product.
3: Yes, I would agree with that. Definitely a blunt, a blunt instrument. So. Huh.
2: All right, cool. All right, well, I'm going to let you take just a quick breath after asking you what I feel like are probably the harder questions that I have on the deck. Um, we're going to have a short station break to hear from our wonderful supporters. You, of course, are listening to the Farm Report. Folks, stay tuned in. We will be right back.
0: And this one's called Torchlight by RecTech. We'll be right back.
1: to escapemaker.com for more ideas on local weekend getaways and day trips to orchards, farms, wineries, breweries and more. Or come by Escapemaker's Blue Tent in Grow NYC's Green Markets and pick up a guide to local agritourism escapes to the green market's own farmers and producers. Have you listened to On the Road with Beer Sessions Radio? Escapemaker has teamed up with Heritage Radio to design a vacation package that provides a first-hand experience of the local flavors from some of New York's best craft beverage producers. Listen in and book your trip at Escapemaker.com slash Heritage Radio. No car? No problem. Escapemaker features plenty of ideas for car-free getaways, including discounts via Amtrak. Get out of the city and explore, while also supporting your local farmers. Log on to Escapemaker.com now to get inspired and make your escape through the net.
2: All right we are back you of course are listening to the farm report we are on the line with jim campbell of new country organics talking about um feed organic feed organic feed supply um so now that we're out of the hot hot seat let's let's move into some new territory um you said that you were calling from your new spot down in lubbock texas so um you guys have recently purchased an Old, an old grain mill that you're working on refurbishing and putting back into production. Um, how do you get from Virginia to Texas?
3: Yeah, uh, well, uh, we absolutely are in the middle of that that project now here in, uh, in Lubbock, and um, effectively, as I mentioned, we uh, actually uh, distribute up and down the uh, the East Coast and um and uh, so really by adding the uh, uh the uh, the site in uh, in Lubbock um it's given us the ability to distribute the product uh into the the southwest and so we can depict the location with a view to to the ability to do that um and also uh the fact that there was an old mill available there um from which we could begin to make the feed locally you know feed is really expensive to to ship. And uh, and so by doing that, we're hoping to make it much more affordable and accessible to, to many more people. Um, and so that's really why uh, Lubbock caught our interest. And then when we came here, we saw that uh, it's actually a fantastic location from the perspective of local organic supply. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the railway network and the road network and, and that kind of thing. It's a fantastic city and people will be very friendly and welcoming to us. So uh, all of that, uh, that made sense. And... Um, You know, the other thing, too, I'll mention as well about refurbishing the old site. It's kind of how we've done things so far, and we see this as part of our identity. So in in Virginia, uh, we're actually in the site of an old Apple Cider Vinegar uh, works. Um, It's almost a 100-year-old site, and and we bought it, and we've been doing it up. Um, It's right next to a residential community, and um, really nothing was happening there previously. We think that it's important to restore some of these old sites, and to give them a new utility, you know, in, in the new century. And so down in Lubbock, uh, we've bought really an iconic mill that goes back to 1924. Wow. Uh, the equipment's not that old, thankfully, but <laughs> the actual, you know, the site, it goes back that far. And there are some old buildings on it. And for people locally, it's a bit of a landmark. And uh, so we think that, you know, part of the recycle-reuse um, is, is, equation is, is part of the sustainability aspect.
2: That makes sense. One of the things I feel like I hear it when people are talking about organic uh, feed in particular is um, you know for for farmers it's tough because organic feed is more expensive um, there's less of it kind of produced in the US um, and that also if you're an organi- if you're looking to buy organic feed for livestock that you're kind of competing with producers who are going to decide to grow um, if they're going to decide to grow, they might choose to grow grain for human consumption to sell to make, you know, like organic Doritos and Oreos. And uh, and I'm wondering if you have any sense of like the a little bit more nuance to kind of that question. I feel like it's a thing that people have said to me in the past, and I'm like, I don't really know what the real deal there is um, when you're thinking from like a the production supply chain, like how a produce, like what how a producer kind of. Decides what's going to be the the right type of grain to grow once they've kind of made this decision that they're going to produce organic grain.
3: I see. Well, I, I would say that really uh, it, it's really like conventional in the sense that once you decide you're going to go organic, it's a bit really um, important to have an eye to your market
4: mm-hmm.
3: and uh, you know who will buy that that grain and what kind of pricing you might you might get for it. Uh, organic grains are more expensive than conventional grains for sure, um, and the prices go up and down depending on supply and demand. Um, in the US, it's a little bit unfortunate that uh, most of the organic producers uh, of foods and feeds uh, import organic grains, while the US actually exports conventional grains because there's a huge shortage of organic grains in the in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, and but so as an example, you know, down here in, in Texas, we've had lots of, of farmers come in and. And say, "Gosh you know I'm trying to decide what to plant for next year, what kind of grains might you be interested in and what quantity Right. And once we give them that information, he can decide what to to, to plant. And I think that if you're planning to convert from conventional to organic, you know it's, it's important to have a view to you know, what kind of, of markets there for the grain you want to do, how it fits in with your other plans, rotations and, and so forth.
2: Right, and then, just like the time factor if you're making a transition from a conventional operation to an organic operation, you have to like find some find someone who wants to like be you know stick with you as you're like making that transfer um well, I'm wondering and 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 like no no big deal if this is kind of not in the your kind of spectrum of expertise, but obviously uh, one of the things we've been talking about um At the network more generally, but also on this show is what the kind of new administration may or may not mean for agriculture. Um, And, you know, I feel like uh, Trump has taken uh, positions in particular looking at, uh, you know, kind of trade issues, import-export issues. Is that something you've been following And, and do you have a sense of like what that might mean for a new country organics? Are you feeling optimistic, pessimistic? Like what's your general sense
3: yeah, we we um, as a company, you know, we're not really active politically. I would say so. Um, you know, the people in the company, of course, have strong opinions and on all on all sides. But the, the one thing as a company that we've commented on has been TPP. And um, yeah, I was wondering about that. You know, we've, yeah, and, and often we felt that some of these trade deals have become a way for for big, very big business to export. Um, their way of thinking about the world in terms of conventional farming and what that means and genetic modification of crops and kind of exporting that to other parts of the world. And so we've we've actually been quite, um, I would say, happy that the TPP seems to be um, on the back burner, I think, Mm -hmm. at best.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It was interesting, we did a show a couple of weeks ago uh, prior to the election, kind of doing a little bit of a a deep dive looking at the focus areas for, uh, each, you know, at that time, potential administration and what that was going to mean for agriculture. But I think it'll be really interesting to see, um, you know, what that point of view, how that trickles down into what type of food we're eating, where it's grown, how much it costs. Um, again, all, like all of those, like voting decisions, they end up impacting so much, Um, And it can be kind of tricky with the food supply stuff because I think on one hand you're looking at, like, really small, like, local things. But most of the food people are consuming is part of, like, a very big and complex system. It's hard to kind of step outside of that. So it's interesting that, like, I I feel like the future seems, like, potentially, like, bright for new country organics. Like, as folks get um, fed up, like, one of the options is to kind of try to opt out of that supply chain um, and by producing their own food, I feel like the alternative is to, to like look at influencing. And you're already seeing that. Um, I don't know how much like kind of general like industry poultry news that you follow, but I, w- I was just getting like a, a small, like a, a poultry, we, we're, we're on all these kind of like list serves for kind of news in the poultry industry. And there was this big report that came out. Um, In a very public way, that was essentially like the biggest threat to the chicken industry heading into 2017 is the rise of pasture raised poultry and what it's going to do to demolish the chicken industry. And I was just like, what a crazy thing to say. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah well it, uh, I would tend to agree with that I, I think that um you know people have been keeping, keeping chickens um in their backyard, so to speak, for thousands and thousands of years um and uh, this business is an ancient business, and uh, these practices predate you know the the concentrated animal feeding operations and i, I think that, that you know, many people in those operations you know get concerned about backyard flocks and, and this kind of thing. But um, we absolutely think that it's a very positive development for the the society as a whole for people to grow their own food and to to control the quality of that. It's great education for children. It's uh, I mean chickens are fantastic beasts. Uh, not only do they eat insects, you know, do they give you um, wonderful uh, you know manure that you can you can actually put into a compost pile and and this kind of thing. They can actually turn over soil for you. I mean, many of our, our customers actually. Uh, use their chickens in conjunction with an organic garden, so they'll they'll grow vegetables in an area, and um, it, it's you know huge fenced in area perhaps, and the chickens are in one side, and then they they, they flip flop uh, year in year out, season in season, in order to make sure the earth is fertilized, and I think it's a really good way of uh, of doing things. So we hear stories like that all, all the time.
2: So you're feeling like the the future is looking looking bright.
3: Well. Um, yeah, for for new country
2: bit, organics, uh, not just in, not just all of the things, <laughs> all, but like, for, for your business specifically. <laughs>
3: yeah, I, I think that um, if, if you look at the, the passion for an interest in organics, uh, certainly organic human food. Uh, it's it's still a very much a growing part of the U.S. Uh, food market. People are more and more interested in this, and I, I think that as that happens, uh, for our company, there's an opportunity as well to to provide people with organic food for their animals. And uh, in fact, I, I would say that I think that we're probably at the beginning of a bit of a revolution on that, and that the, kind of the old-fashioned way of doing it. I think, is less and less um, attractive to to many modern consumers.
2: Well, we will find out, won't we? (laughs) Jim, (laughs) thank you you so much. It's been great to uh, get a little peek into what you guys have going on. Um, Folks, once again, it is New Country Organics. You can find out more by visiting newcountryorganics.com. I really appreciate you coming on the show today.
3: Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you
2: awesome thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the farm report Um, like i said all 34 of our weekly programs on the heritage radio network are available for free you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us anywhere you get your great podcasts. Um, We've got some new shows in the mix this fall that I would recommend uh, checking out for farm, list, farm Report listeners. One is Magnif Eco, a new show hosted by Kate Black that's looking at uh, environmental impact and sustainability in the fashion and beauty industry. And then for those of you who are looking to uh, expand your wine knowledge, check out the Grape Nation. Um, It's a great show that is kind of a primer, um, an intro to folks who want to learn a little bit more about wine. I think wine, fashion, two amazing agricultural products, a great way to explore them um, is by listening to more of our great shows. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned in.